Got depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange dreams, same page, safe place. Therapy is great, and this ain't the same. But we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. I'm your host, Katie Dahl, and I'm happy to have you here. How we doing? How we feeling? I'm feeling okay over here. Uh, You know, I felt my anxiety go away for a few weeks, which was a nice vacation. But now it's back. And, you know, I never feel like it fully goes away. I feel like it's more like I'm living on a dormant volcano. Any of you ever experienced that before? It's just like at any given moment, it could erupt again. So I I can't fully relax. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to say, it seems like there are more of you now. I noticed that the downloads in January were double the amount that were in December. So hello and welcome if you're new. And if you've been around the whole time, thank you so much for listening. Um, and you know, welcome to the community. If you want, uh, to interact with other people, other sunnies, as we might call ourselves, you can check out our private support group on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash group slash crying behind pod. We are also at crying behind pod on Instagram and all the things. Uh, I also recently started a weekly mental health chat on a new app called Clubhouse, uh, and I'm calling it Thoughtful Thursdays. It's every Thursday at 8 p.m. under my handle on there, at Katie Doll. So yeah, that's definitely a fun thing to check out. We did the first one this week, and I felt like it was just such a great open conversation, and people were able to vent about whatever they're going through and also get advice. So yeah, I'm going to keep doing that for a little while. Just a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for medical advice or therapy. I know it might be shocking at this point, but I'm not a doctor. I'm just someone who really cares about your mental health. And on that note, I just want to say, I want you to remember that you are enough. You are love. You are love. And you're enough just the way you are, regardless of where you are at on your mental health journey, whether you've been to therapy a million times and you feel like you know yourself inside and out, or if you're just starting on this path of self-discovery, you are enough just the way you are. So today's episode is going to be a really fun one. Um, my guest is Sentina Muha. She has been on One Day at a Time. She is a comedian. She's also writing an upcoming book, a collection of essays. And during today's episode, we talk about how being in a wheelchair has given her the ability to adapt to any situation and how it really pushed her to get into comedy because she had to make jokes about her situation. We also talk about how it is possible to have anxiety about depression. I get the scoop on her Zoom dating life. And we get into a lot of weird questions that strangers ask her. Rude. And what it was like for her to do her very first sitcom as an actor. So I hope that you enjoy. And if you like what you heard, please, please, please on iTunes, get in there and rate and review this podcast. It really helps us to get the word out to more listeners. All right. Thanks. Enjoy. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses. I'm Katie Dahl. Um, Today's guest 
You might know her from One Day at a Time on Netflix. Uh, you might also know her from her hit music video called Ass Level. Uh, she's also working on a book right now. Please welcome Santina Muha. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you virtually as well. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm so used to running into you at like UCB or around town in LA. I know. Mm-hmm. I yeah, know. Those days are, I don't want to say they're gone, but they're on pause. For now. For yeah. now. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to get vaxxed up and then we're going to party. that's That's what i'm hoping for anyway um Mm -hmm. so how are you feeling today what's what's the latest Ugh, how am i feeling today is such a great question because right every day is different every minute and hour and second is different today i'm like not the best okay uh i'm in some sort of a weird creative slump um to be honest, I think I'm getting my period, which is like fogging my brain, you know, how that goes. And um, it's like, I've just been, uh, so I don't know, some days I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to finish my novel, if, you know, if not by May, then today. And other days I'm like, should I just unfreeze my eggs and just start that journey? Because this is not happening. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean... Who knows? <laughs> Unfreeze your eggs. Okay, so you had them frozen and you're like, maybe I just need to put them in my uterus and just pop them out. It's time. Yes. Not that I can't do both, by the way, but I'm just like, <laughs> where's my attention right now? Where? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, it's really hard to know um, with all the uncertainty that's going on. You can't really plan. You just kind of have to take it day by day. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. So uh, we'll see. I mean, and I try to push myself even on those days, you know, as a writer, they say you still have to sit down in front of the computer and light the candle or do whatever your ritual and like get, you know, and I do that. But if like this weekend, I tried to write on Saturday because I didn't get as much done on Friday, you know, mm-hmm. on Friday as I wanted to. And it just, I just came to a point where I was like, I'm torturing myself. I, I'm, I'm doing nothing. I'm getting nothing done. I'm going to just like light a joint and journal and just like have a Saturday. And if something comes out of it, great. And if it doesn't, I I can't, you know, and that was what I needed. So. Yeah, no, I think it's really important to have that like rest and recharge, you know? Yeah. Oh and, my God. Yeah. And to reflect too. I mean, um, I'm, I'm huge on journaling. I try to journal every day, not even, even if it's not like a full entry, just like a sentence, something to like, you know, check in with yourself. Yeah. Or just like, uh, uh, I remember in high school, what I used to do is I had a, I always have a paper planner. I'm not like a phone planner person because I don't know, for whatever reason, I like to see it. So even in high school, so I've always had these same kind of journal, you know, like the planners that come with like the the calendar month at a glance. And then also you can yeah. write in. No, I have one right here. Okay, perfect. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so what I would do then, and what I still do now, but I was so much better at it then is um every day I would write like what I did, who I hung out with, like. Maybe like if something happened, like kiss this person or like, and I had like little symbols, like a swirly sign if I smoked weed that day or like, a, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a Z's if I like slept a lot that day, whatever. And um, it's like fun to go back and so- sometimes that's all you need is that little blurb to be like, oh my God, I remember that whole day, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. Wait. So if you were like, I kissed this boy, did you also like rank them? Like if it was a really good kiss, did you put like a, f- <laughs> a different drawing next to well, it? Well, <laughs> I would put like, I would put like little secret codes to me, like kiss mark. And then like, 
Yeah, like if it had more squigglies next to it, that meant like, oh, that was good. Or if it was like a kiss with like a little teeny X, it was like, didn't that, that wasn't a good one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we shouldn't go so, back to Simona. Little, <laughs> yes. Little like inside, little things that even now though, to this day, some of them I remember, but sometimes I look at them and I'm like, what the hell was I trying to tell myself? I don't remember. That's cool yeah. that you kept all those because that must be really helpful for writing your book. You said it's kind of like a memoir, personal essays, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you look back at those um, planners as a reference? Sometimes, but more often than, well, I yes, I don't have the high school ones. I think that they're back home in my, somewhere, you know, where I wish I could get my hands on them. But, yeah. um, but I look through the, the ones that I kept when I first moved here and it is helpful, but the only, my only really ever regret is that I didn't write more. You know, I always am like, I should have written more. Mm. But you were too busy out there living your life. Yeah, I know. It's true. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, know. I wanted to say I really enjoyed, I, um, when I was prepping to talk to you, I watched a few episodes of One Day at a Time. Mm. And I watched you um, in the support group. Is that what we're calling yeah. it? I guess it's mm-hmm. there. Exactly. Uh, and I thought it was really cool how they were just so open about the main character having depression and anxiety and dealing with all that. Yeah, that was a great. Yeah, they handled all of that really well because she was a veteran. So she had her little support group there. And um, we really like loved each other, all of the girls in that support group off off air. You know, we had so much fun working together and. Um, and also would like lean on each other and talk like, you know, because all week when you're shooting a uh, multicam like that, you have um, you know, a lot of downtime, especially when you're only in one scene of sure. the whole episode. So we would hang out in my, my dressing room a lot. Cause mine was the closest one to the kitchen. And, um, <laughs> we would, and we would talk and we would call it cheese may the cheese may room, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. and we would just talk about, talk about whatever was going on and our feelings. And we got really deep because all of us there had something, you know, something going on. I mean, we have Mackenzie Phillips, who is like the, one of the queens of mental health and, and you know sobriety and all of that and mm-hmm. so god to have just like full free access to her all day was like such what a gift you know that's yeah that must have been such a cool experience and I also like working with uh Rita Moreno like oh, yeah what a legend I know, I know really <laughs> I know I mean they all were every single person on that show was like I've been on sets where you don't love everybody you know what I mean it's sometimes it's bullshit but that one truly everybody was the best it's not often that you can say that usually there's at least one bad apple right i know i know and and there really wasn't that's so great what was the most fun day that you had on set there your favorite thing that you shot or funniest thing that happened maybe i mean probably the the just like the first ever show day for me was like whoa i'm doing it you know because i grew up watching sitcoms and loving them and learning comedy from them because they have laugh tracks and so learning like oh that makes people laugh you know like learning that b arthur making a funny face (laughs) makes people laugh she didn't even have to say anything you know and it made people laugh and that was really influential to me and then coming from as you know you know an improv background and like working on stage i i love that feedback that instant feedback but you don't get to keep it afterwards Mm. so when you do something on tv you get to keep it, but a lot of times it's like 
in a vacuum. You're shooting and everyone has to be quiet on the set. So it's the hybrid of, of you know, the, the stage and also I get to keep it and tell my family back home to watch it was like was such a great combo for me. And I'll never forget like the moment that, so, you know, you, you rehearse your lines all week and then you do them and the writers watch and they see how things, you know, come out and then they, they give you alts like, and the, the showrunner comes over and, and I'll never forget the first time uh, Gloria and Calderon, Gloria Calderon Kelly came over to me and she was like, you ready for your first alt? And I was like, yes, because coming from an improv background, yeah. I, I was like, yes, like I want something that I haven't been rehearsing all week to say, you know, like I feel like, and I, you know, and I said it and it was even funnier than the, the first thing that I had said, you know, and um, I don't know, I just felt really good. I felt like I was just doing it. I felt like I was really like living uh, the dream, living my, one of my dreams in real time. That's Sounds so exhilarating. And Mm -hmm. I love how you describe it, too, because I think a lot of people who haven't seen the way a sitcom is taped don't understand that it is so much like theater because uh, you do have that live audience aspect. So you get to feed off of that. Yeah, it's really it's really good. Cool. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I guess what really surprised me was just how like how honest everyone was in these this support group and that it was kind of like a narrative structure of the show. Like she would tell things that were happening and it would just tie the whole story together. And I've just never seen something like that on uh, on a sitcom. Yeah, I think it was well done too. It, you know, the show was canceled this year, which is like huge weird bummer mm. for so many reasons. I, I, I mean, I, I really think it was a good show. I, it's Sounds biased. I mean, how could I say, you know, but it really just was, it was a well done show, you know? Yeah. And good, a good representation of like different, um, you know, Latin performers and everything. Yes, of course. Well, that's the thing, you know, and it's like, there's just not enough of that. And then, you know, I, I'm sorry to throw shade to any of these shows, but I turned on TV the other day and there was a sitcom I've never heard of. It was on mm-hmm. CBS. I'm like, who the hell, who is this guy? I don't know. It, it was <laughs> so corny. Uh, everything was like happening in a can, you know what I'm saying? Where it's just like, I've, I swear I've heard this, this exact joke, like 80,000 times, you know, it's like, there's enough of that, the same sitcom out there of, it's just, this just felt like something that wasn't already done a million times, even though ironically Mm -hmm. it was a reboot, but, um, Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, you know, yeah, it was a reboot. Mackenzie Phillips, uh, who plays the, the leader of our sport group. She was the daughter on the original show way back. And like, I used to watch the show when I was very little. I mean, it was like towards the end that I was even alive for it. But um, I would watch it with my nonna, my grandmother. And my, she always wore this ring, my nonna. My, she was like my best friend, my mom's mom. Mm-hmm. Nonna's grandmother in Italian. Yes. And um, yes. And she was, we were very, 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 very close. She passed away in 2009. She wore this ring all the time. And I would remember just like, you know, I'd play with it while I sat on her lap or while I laid next to her watching. And I always wore that ring every time I was on the show because I felt like it was a fun, nice, literal full circle kind of moment. What a cute tribute. I love yeah. that. What yeah. a little cute Easter egg. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. next time I watch, I'm going to be looking for your ring. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. And yeah, yeah, I was, you're from New Jersey, from an it- Italian family. <laughs> yes, I am. You're very sure. into your pasta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm into it all. All the stereotypes I'm into. 
<laughs> and uh, I'm guessing you haven't uh, seen, you haven't been able to see them during COVID, obviously. But no, I haven't seen anybody in over a year. Uh, but in person, but we have been totally keeping up over Zooms and FaceTimes, and I, I you know, I talk to my mother almost every day. You know, I don't feel disconnected from my family in any way. That's great. And you have, do you have siblings? I do. I have, I was an only child until I was 13. And now I have (laughs) six, now I have six siblings, five brothers and a sister. I know. Can you believe? So, um, but they're all half. So my brother is my mother's son. And then I have five brothers and a sister on my father's side uh, who live in another country. My father works for the American embassy. He lives in Israel. So I don't get to see any of those. So this is probably why I'm like, this COVID thing is like, why I've been able to manage not seeing family because I still feel connected to my siblings in Israel. So, you know, I, I know how to make it work. I know how to make these long distance relationships, familiar relationships work. I don't know how to make long distance romantic relationships work, but uh, familiar. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and friendships. Yes. I have a lot of friends who are still in New Jersey and I talk to them just as much as my friends who are here in LA, you know, I don't feel like any disconnect there with any. Yeah. Of them. So that's good. I've been able to just, just, you know, some people are better at that. Some people have that skill. Or, you know, some people are better at keeping in touch than others or whatever. And my brother is very good at it. So I feel like it's genetic or something. Um, we're just good at like meeting people and then carrying them with us all the way through our lives, you know, wherever mm. we end up. So uh, I've just been doing that a lot of that. And um, yeah, and, and and yeah, just keeping in touch with everybody and trying to be a good example for my siblings. And but you know, it's been a weird, it's been a weird year. Yeah. For everybody. For everybody. I mean, for everybody, especially. And, um, I was going to say to that point, um, which you already kind of brought this up, like, how have you been able to take care of your mental health during this time? Um, has it changed at all? Like, were you dealing with any sort of depression or anxiety pre COVID or during COVID? Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say more anxiety than depression. It's funny. I one time had a doctor tell me I had anxiety about having depression because <laughs> I would keep saying like, I'm depressed. And he's like, well, talk to me about times you've been depressed. And I'm like, when my nonna died, when I had uh, this, and he's like, no, that w- you were responding appropriately to, you know, and I'm like, oh, and he was like, yeah, you have anxiety about depression. So, um, <laughs> so, so, but I, but I, you know, I, they're cousins, right? I think so. Um, but I feel like I have had a few bouts of depression in this whole quarantine year. Um, I think like, though, for me, and I'm sure for for others too, but uh, for me, one thing is like, I'm like very mood based. And that's mm-hmm. like for, for every, if someone says like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite? I'm always like, ah, well, it really depends on my mood, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's how I am with, you know, like uh, I know right now that I, I'm in a slump. I know I'm in a like a little bit of a writer slump, but I've I've been through enough writer slumps or enough slumps in general now that I don't I'm not panicking about this slump. I'm mm. like riding the wave of it, you know. And I know that okay, fine. I'm gonna Saturday's a wash. That's fine because next Saturday or three Saturdays from now, I'm gonna be like I can't sit down and watch a movie. I have too many ideas. I'm gonna write for eight hours straight, you know. And so don't beat myself. It's it's like, you know what it's like? It's like I always say, like, if you're if you can't decide between a salad and like pasta, 
just eat the salad because there's going to come a day when you're like, ugh, I really don't want a salad. And then you don't have to eat a salad that day, you know, because like you, if you're not in the mood, don't force it. Don't force it. But if you like to take it or leave it, then take it so that when the day comes that you don't want to force it, you don't have to feel guilty. And I sort of like feel that way too about uh, my mental health, you know, and if there's days where I'm just like, I am done today, it's this day is a wash, then I'm like, okay, I have to let it just be a wash. Yeah. You know? Because otherwise you're, you have anxiety about having anxiety or you get depressed about being depressed. And now you're just like, yes, no, I I know that very well. I have had anxiety about having anxiety, like, especially I would say the period where it would be strongest is like in the aftermath of having a panic attack. So like the lead up to the panic attack, whatever it happens. Right. Mm -hmm. But then after it happens, then I'm like reliving it and replaying it and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to get set off again. Yeah. That kind yeah, of thing. And, right. And I think social media is not doing us any favors, but then also, you know, there are definitely like some good, I mean, there's places that you can go specifically if you're like here, like you have that, um, you know, places where people can go if they just want to talk yeah, to the support people. group for, for crying behind sunglasses on Facebook. Yeah. People exactly. Love it. Exactly. And that's a nice place to go and see, oh, okay, I'm not alone. But also <laughs> if you just start scrolling, then good luck because you're going to see a lot of things you don't want to see not on the support group page like through your feed because you're all you know it's like it's a jungle out there and there's always there's so much it's just so so much content and so much I mean so many depressing things but then also somebody celebrating something that I'm that can make me depressed too sometimes if I'm not in the right state of mind no I see someone getting engaged or having a baby half the time I'm like okay I'm gonna snooze them for 30 days (laughs) right you know what I mean? I mean? Yeah, it's like sometimes if I if I if I'm having a day where I can't, I'm having writer's block, and I see some sort of deadline article about someone's great show that got picked up, it's not the right time for me to celebrate that. And I'm sure that they've seen something I've done at some point and been like, "Oh, please shut up." You know, it's fine. We we go through, we do it. It's it's okay. But um, yeah, you got to protect your energy. Yes, but you can say, but now I can say this in hindsight on your podcast because that's what we're talking about. But yeah. in the moment, my little ego is like, no, we suck. And you're like, oh God, now I have to sit my ego down and have a little talk with it. And that's <laughs> exhausting, you know? Yeah. Yes. It sounds exhausting. It is. I think a weird thing that's happened to me through quarantine, though, is like one of the things that I haven't had to deal with as much. Um, is is like FOMO, of, mm. you know, because not, I mean, here and there, but it's not like, like every Friday night or Saturday night, I'm not like, Ugh, should I be doing something? Where should I be? Let me text a million people. And, you know, if nobody texts me back or if like nobody asked me to hang out, then did I fail this weekend? Or, you know, did I fail it like being social this week? And now that whole like weird uh, argument in my mind or whatever is just, doesn't come up because no one's doing it like friday night i'm sitting i'm watching a movie or i'm reading a book or whatever and i don't feel like guilty like i don't have this thing in the back of my head that's like it's friday night you should be doing something like that's that voice is gone oh yeah the fomo's gone and i feel like i have enough time to do whatever it is i want to do i because i think that before it was always like this guilt about like oh i have to go to this birthday party this comedy show this Mm -hmm. that the other 
And then a lot of times the things that I wanted to do for myself would kind of get put on the back burner. So now it's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, well, no, I can I can just take a bath on a Friday night, read a that's book right. and hang out. I, and that's yeah, fine. I have written more for this book that I'm writing right now in the past year than in the 10 years leading up to this past year. That is like a truth. And because I've been writing this book here and there, you know, since probably college. I don't even who knows how long. And this past year, I like actually made a dent in it. And it's because, yeah, there's it's it's not on my back burner anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and what exactly is it about? Just like, uh, is it a, is it a memoir of um, your life basically up until now? Yeah, it's like a collection of essays, memoir about just like living, you know, as as an Italian-American Jersey girl who moved to L.A., you know who loves the beach and loves going to concerts and like how that all is sort of like filtered through also being in a wheelchair because I was in a car accident when I was six years old so I'm in a wheelchair since then and you know how it all kind of like how I'm a lot of it is really my goal is to make as much of it relatable as possible even to someone like you or someone who isn't in a wheelchair to be like oh wow she was you know because that's like my favorite part of any sort of performing that I do is like if I, if I write a joke, you know, do a stand up joke or something and somebody comes up to me and they say, wow, that joke reminded me of like when I came out of the closet in middle school and mm. I'm like, great, that's exactly what I, I want people to feel like it's relatable because, you know, the circumstance may be different, but the feeling is the same. And that's what I, I'm trying to tap into. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it, I find that the more specific you can get about your own experience, it does become universal because um, when you get more personal about your stuff, like, for example, uh, my brother has autism. And um, usually if I tell stories about him or I made a film where I had a character that was inspired by him, I had so many different people that they don't even know anything about autism, but they Mm -hmm. felt like it reminded them of their family or um, Mm -hmm. their relationship with their brother. And I think that's so cool. It is. Yeah, it really is because that's when I think when we'll start uh, normalizing or get, you know, making people see because disability, I feel like it's like really pushed way far on the fringe of diversity. It's like it's like people just can't even begin to try to relate to it. And I'm trying to be like, no, 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 no. Listen, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. This car accident, you know, like I I mean, we're 20 minutes in and it just came up now, like my non passing away was harder you know a sadder day for me than the day of my car accident yeah I mean I did want to bring it up with you but I figured I was like eh, I'll let it flow I'm not going to be like question one hi Santina so (laughs) please tell me about all your feelings about being in a wheelchair like you know well a lot of people do there's so much more to you one right yeah there's I think it's the person first there's so much more to you than that and like, yeah, that's a thing about you, but it's not a thing about you any more than it is, oh, she's Italian and uh, right. she does comedy. Well, thank you. But you think that because that's, but you have a podcast about, you know, uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. Think about all these people out there who aren't thinking enough about these things and they see me and they're like, ah, girl in wheelchair. I mean, and that's all they see. And it doesn't even matter. And then anything else I do is, wow, that girl in the wheelchair is funny. Wow, that girl in the wheelchair is on TV. Wow, that girl in the wheelchair has a dog. Like everything is about that girl in the wheelchair is doing this. And it's like, it's annoying, you know, because it's like, how many times with how many different strangers can I have the same conversation about what happened or what it's, 
What is the biggest misconception, do you think, that people have about your being in a wheelchair? I think probably probably just that my life is uh, should be depressing. And if it's not, then that's like some sort of victory and um, or like, you know, um, inspirational. And I think that that has a lot to do with, unfortunately, the, the narratives that society pushes. I mean, even growing up, I thought I should be more depressed about being disabled than I was. I was like, why am I not as sad as all these people in these movies and on these TV shows? Like, I felt like the exception. And Mm -hmm. to the point where I didn't even want to be around other people with disabilities. I didn't because I thought that they were probably sad. And I was like, I don't I don't want to like show be like showing off or like or like have them make me more depressed about my situation. That's me. If I was thinking that a person in a wheelchair, (laughs) imagine what people who don't know anything about disability are thinking. They must think it really sucks. And so it took me a while. Like it took me a really long time to to start meeting other people in wheelchairs and being around them. And see, like, oh, wait a minute, that girl's cool, that guy's cool, that. Pro- so, so we're not the problem. It's this weird narrative that's the problem. So, unfortunately, that's where we are. And our, you know, sorry to say, but a lot of our dumb, dumb country gets everything that they know they learn from watching TV. It's just a part of our cult society. Pop culture dictates. I mean, I always say, like, nobody was eating sushi until everybody was eating sushi. It's like people don't do something in this country until it's they've seen it on tv or it's like you know what i mean yeah well and i think that it is the culture uh kind of uh tells us how to think about certain things and about disabled people and it's really interesting to me that you said you were um you had your own misconceptions about other people in wheelchairs it was almost like an internalized ableism that was taught to you right and then you, it made you afraid. And I, I understand that. I mean, because you're like, oh, I just want to be with mainstream, normal, quote unquote, normal people because I don't want to be sad. Um, and that is something that I thought about because I was like, I wonder. I mean, you you were in this accident when you were six years old. So uh, and I'm just curious. So you were were you immediately paralyzed when it happened? Yeah, it was a it was a lap belt injury, they call it. So the seat belt tightened upon impact and severed my spine at the T10 T11 level T10 T11 level mm-hmm. meaning um the lower sort of the like lower level of my spine so anything from that level of injury down is you know paralyzed okay. from from that so I yeah I never I walked to the car that day and that was the last time I walked ever wow. again yeah and I guess what I was thinking is maybe because it happened to you when you were so young you don't yeah. really like, this is just what your life is. You know, it's yeah. not like you were living a, a whole uh, life walking and then suddenly at 30 years old, you're paralyzed. And then you're like, oh, my God, I can't do this, this, this anymore. You're six. You're like, OK, well, that's exactly right. The only things that I had to really relearn were like getting dressed and swimming. You know, I remember having to relearn how to swim. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I was driving. It's not like I was having sex. It's not like I was like afraid to lose my job. I didn't even have to think about who's going to pay for all these medical bills. Like I was six. That's why when something happens to someone who's a child and people are always like, oh, ugh, it breaks their heart because they're a child. I get that. And it's true. It does suck. But at this, but honestly, it's it's like <laughs> better. But it's like <laughs> all, all of a child has to do is deal with the moment they're in the moment right so if if they're if they're in pain yes physical pain it sucks but they'll get through the pain but what's great is that they're not sitting there 
like how adults are like anticipating and agonizing over what does this mean for my life and blah, blah, blah. They can just be like, ow, that hurts. Oh, okay. That doesn't hurt anymore. You know? And, and that's it. So for me, I'm, if it was going to happen to me at all, I guess I'm glad it happened to me at that age because yeah, I was able to just start, just incorporate it into my life. I mean, and yeah, I went from crawling to walking. Okay. No big deal. Then I went from walking to wheelchair. Okay. So what? I didn't know that that was like not supposed to happen. I didn't know. (laughs) I'm six years old. You're just like, okay, this is life now. Yes. Yeah. So when everybody approached me, like they were about to start crying and I'm like six years old and I'm like, great. I got to make everybody, every adult feel better. That's Mm. the thing why I got into comedy because I was like, I got to break the tension in every friggin' room because everybody's going to cry at the mere sight of me. So I was like, you know, so I'd have to, I'd make jokes and they'd laugh just like we were talking about like earlier, you know, I'd make a joke, I'd see them laugh and I'd go, okay, got it. That's what I need to do. I need to break the tension. I need to make other people feel better with my situation constantly. (laughs) All the time. <laughs> That's hysterical. I mean, I just, I didn't even think about it that way, but it does make sense because you're like, I don't feel bad for myself. Why are you feeling bad for me? Let's just joke about it. You yeah. Know? And even if I am having a bad day or something, that doesn't necessarily mean I want to talk about it to the person in the frigging grocery store. You know, no. it's like, why? what gives people the right to come up to me and say, what happened? And I'm like, <gasps> what? I'm like, I'm buying cereal. You know, it's like, Strangers come up to you and ask you that all the time. And that's nothing. That's not even people ask me, how do you have sex out of the blue? People I don't know. Yes, this we're lit. I know. No, sorry. This is like- I, well, this is this is a podcast not even on video. So I, I just so you know, my eyes are like bugging out of my head. I can't yeah. imagine someone you walking imagine up it. to me. And one thing to say what happened, like it sucks, but I get it because you're in a wheelchair. But the intimate question of how do you have sex? That's not their business. I usually get that one in like a bar when someone's had, okay. or, you know, when or but club still. when someone's a little loose and they're like, oh, I'm just going to say it. But still, <laughs> it's like, it's still like, come on. <laughs> you, like, should, you know what would be a good Google answer it. is I have sex really well. I'm really good at sure. bed. You wouldn't even yeah, know. <laughs> I've said all, you know, I've said all kinds of things. And it, it's like, um, it's, we think, you'd think by now these things would be, you know, we live in this like 2021 where everybody's woke. Not even, no way. I mean, you know how it is. Look at, look at all the other problems. Look at the racism that we're dealing with in this sure. country or, or the sexism or the homophobia. I mean, you see these things happen or you hear like them from a friend and you're like, no, that didn't happen. Like, you know. It's like we're all doing that to each other. Like, you know, if I have a a, a, a friend, you know, like a, a gay friend of mine and he's telling me something that happened, I, I can't imagine someone would say that to him these days. But then it's like, although, yes, I can because I get the same, you know, I get my own weird stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's still happening all over. And if people don't believe it, lucky them. <laughs> well, I think people who don't believe it clearly have some sort of privilege where they aren't affected by it. So I mean, lucky them. They don't know. They don't know what it's like to be, like I said, just minding your own business. Like, I mean, at the mall. And believe me, if you see me at the mall, I'm probably high because I like to smoke weed at the mall. (laughs) So I don't want to sit there and talk about like, you know, like I feel like asking them, did anybody in your life like die or were your parents abusive? Like what happened to you that you want to talk about right now in the middle of the store? You know? Yeah. Who who hurt you? Let's talk about it. 
<laughs> exactly. It's like, mind your own business. Yeah. There have been so many times in my life where I was in the middle of a panic attack and just hyperventilating and crying. And I thought I had no hope. I couldn't see a way forward. And in those moments, talking to a therapist was one of the only things that could actually pull me out of it. And then while continuing in my therapy journey, I was able to learn more tools to help me in the future so that I could remember to do those things in those critical moments, remembering to take those deep breaths and remembering that I have the power to change my thoughts, helping me help myself, basically. So that's why I'm really happy to share that BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. And they are the world's largest online counseling service. So I can help you get therapy too. Uh, it's 100% online. You can either text, email, do phone calls, video calls with your therapist. And you take a quiz so that they can match you with someone who meets your specific needs for whatever it is you're going through. If that's depression, anxiety, trauma, abuse, anything. Um, you get the same kind of professionals that you would get if you were looking on your health insurance's website because all these people are actual therapists. So um, I have a great deal for my Crying Behind Sunglasses listeners. For the first month, you get 10% off if you go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash cryingbehindpod. Do you miss being able to go to malls? I miss the mall so much. I really miss the mall so much. The, it was like my my act, my activity, like you know, like w- w- like a weekend activity. Like, what do you feel like doing? I, I even the the birth my birthday before COVID. My last birthday I spent uh, over Zoom, but the one before that I did it at the mall, and I had all of my friends <laughs> meet me, and whenever like in di- you know different times, and there was always someone with me, and. We would go outside and smoke a little bit and then come back in and go to, you know, um, Lush and get free samples or go to, you know, get a hot dog on a stick. It was such a fun birthday. I spent the whole day at the mall. I love it. You're such a 90s teen. Yeah. And Jersey, too. Yeah. Well, because the way you say mall, you're like mall, you know, the Jersey comes out. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. 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 I actually went when I was a kid. I went to summer camp in upstate New York. um, So I had a lot of friends who were from Jersey. And the mall culture there is just so strong. It is. Well, because it's so cold, like nine months out of the year. So it's either we're at the Jersey Shore pumping our fists, you know, uh, on the beach, (laughs) or we're at the mall because where else are you going to go? It's indoors. There's food. There's, I mean, that's not everybody, but yeah, us, like the teenage. And also, it was always something we were allowed to do without our parents, you know? Sure. Because it felt like a safe place that they could drop you off, that nothing Mm -hmm. was going to happen. Yeah. But little did they know you're out there getting all the voice phone numbers probably, or I don't know what you're doing. Oh, and I was a total klepto. I was a total klepto. (laughs) Really? Oh yeah. And it's eighth grade. Well, and I think that also relates to being in a wheelchair because, um, it was one of the things, like I would overcompensate because people, you know, because I was in this wheelchair and it's almost like, you know, how, uh, a closeted gay, you know, kind of bear become like bullies the, the guy, the kid in the play. It's like, I was like, I'm cool. You want to see what I could do? And I would steal and smoke cigarettes. And I would do all these things that were um, 
stereotypically not something a person in a wheelchair would do, which what mm. the hell, you know, these are all made up things because what does a person in a wheelchair do or not do? Who knows? But stereotypically, according to them, a person in a wheelchair doesn't steal. They don't smoke. They don't make out. So I would do all of these things and, and, I, and I would get the response I wanted. Oh my, what? Oh my, guess what? Come here, come here. You know, she smokes, you know, she, do, you know, like, and I, I go like, Get yeah. off on that, like, ha ha ha! I'm um, changing their perception of disability. I mean, yeah, was I? The- I don't know, but felt like I mean, I you're was. just like doing all this bad girl behavior. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just kind of putting it, putting on a show. Yes, and I also had a lot of great hiding spots for stealing on the wheelchair. I mean, it was so easy. It you got a so lot of pockets. Well, I, what kind of stuff did you steal? Like makeup or stuff from Claire's? Makeup, maybe? clothes, uh, you know, everything from. Spencer's gifts like keychains and whatever games things like that um sea monkeys <laughs> candy <laughs> all kinds of things and I would put them under my leg or behind my back or you know um up my sleeve you know like uh whatever but then one time I got caught one time mm-hmm. I thought really fast and I made a lie I said oh I just put it there because it's easier for me to carry but I fully was gonna pay for it and they were like okay then pay for it and I did luckily I had the money Pay for it, left, and then that was like I never stole again. I mean, unless sometimes if I forget there's like a drink in my cup holder and I leave the store, I'm like, I'm not gonna go back. Well, that's an accident. (laughs) That's different. Right. Uh yeah, I feel like when I was a kid, I stole a magazine one time and I was so guilty about it. Yeah. Because my mom found out she made me go back to the grocery store. And like apologize to the clerk and this whole embarrassing thing. Um, but I also like, you know, I didn't have a wheelchair to hide it. In. Exactly. And nobody <laughs> suspects, like nobody suspects the girl in the wheelchair. So I also was like, okay, I'm going to, I can use this whole thing to my advantage. I should also say my nonna, who I told you about earlier, who was like yeah. very, very close with me. She had this like policy where like any food you could eat, like while you were still in the grocery store was free. So like if you ate a peach, if you ate a donut, if you ate like what? So, you That's know, hysterical. Probably, probably wasn't the best influence uh, as far as theft goes. So she's just like, oh, I'm going to grab a donut from the bakery section. And as long as I finish it before I check out, it doesn't count. Yes. If I ate a donut, every time I went to the supermarket, I ate a donut. If I went with my nonna, I ate it. Nobody cared. If I went with my mom, I had to keep the paper, I put the <laughs> paper on the thing and pay, you know, and my mom made a big to do of you still have to pay for it. And I'm like, okay, well, not when I'm with nonna. <laughs> I mean, she sounds like she's a real kick in the pants. Oh, she was Nana? hysterical. Yeah, she was so funny. Hysterical. Yeah. Is that where you get your sense of humor from? I think? mean, we would watch, it's funny because we would watch Golden Girls together mm. and she was off the boat from Italy, barely spoke English. And I was four. So neither one of us were really like getting the jokes, but we always knew when to laugh, when the laugh track went. And that's why I think B. Arthur was um, one of my, you know, biggest influences because her jokes were often uh, visual because she would just make the faces. And, I, and I've and i gotten that note from, you know, directors and, and people before that they they like to, like, look at me when the other person's delivering uh, a line. So I think I got that from, honestly, from B. Arthur, from watching Golden Girls with my Nana. Oh, yeah. Like- no, I did notice that, actually, when I was watching... Um, you on one day at a time because you and that support group, it's a lot of you like listening, you know, to the main yeah. character um, vent about her life and they cut to your reactions so much. Uh, 
and you you do you have a good you have a good listening face. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, I think, and I just think I get that from B, my queen B, which is Queen Arthur, uh, B Arthur. Yeah, yeah, I love the Golden yeah. Girls. What yeah, a great it's show! Good. It's good and it holds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You know what else I wanted to ask you about was uh, the music video uh, that you did, Ass Level. Um, what I mean, it's I guess watching the video music video is pretty easy to see this, but I'm curious what was the thing that inspired you to make that video? Yeah, well, it comes from like I said earlier about this society's and pop culture's portrayal of disability, where it's always doom and gloom, and someone ends up committing suicide by the end of the movie, and mm-hmm. uh, and I was like. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's sad. There are moments that are sad, but also, you know how many concerts I've like cut the, like gotten to like go backstage or like how many, every time I go to uh, any, I cut the line for any club bathroom or bar bathroom, you know, or like I get good parking or I get, you know, free stuff or I get carried into, you know, places or all of these perks. I was like, there are some perks to being in a wheelchair. And I wrote this blog a while ago that was like, why being in a wheelchair it's like being a celebrity, right? And I and I've there was like just a lot of parallels, and I think it's like you have to spin it that way. No pun intended, but um, <laughs> you know, it's like if you have to see it that way. But you know, people staring at you, or you have a special car, or you're allowed to bring your dog inside. You know, all these things where I was like, oh, oh my god, I'm actually when I wrote it, it wasn't being like a celebrity; it was being Paris Hilton. It was like why being in a wheelchair is like being Paris Hilton because it was like at the time that she was, you know, like the yeah, so, the only socialite uh, in the biz. But so I, I thought, I thought I wanted, you know, let me write something that shows some of the perks. And I just figured like a fun way to do that would be through a rap song. Cause rap, that's like sort of a, a, a medium where, you know, you kind of get away with bragging, right? Rappers like rap songs are very braggadocious in like a very fun ways. Look at my expensive car. Look at my hot girlfriend. Exactly. Look at these rocks I got, yeah. et cetera. And yes. like, but the way yes. you describe it, it's like, yeah. You could really flip it on its head and say, being in a wheelchair, you're forever a VIP, you know, like you don't have to wait in line at Disneyland. um, And you know that you're always going to get the best treatment and people are always going to turn their heads when you when you roll into the room, (laughs) you know. Right, right. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, although it's weird because now we live in this weird in between time Mm -hmm. where we're like some people are like trying to be like woke for better you know for lack of better uh some people try, i don't know what's the word i want to say but it's like i feel like people are overcompensating sometimes or they don't know if like they should like uh recently not recently now because it's covid but about a year ago whatever before covid i was coming into a place and this guy was sitting there and he was watching me as i was pulling ro- rolling up to the door and i went to and he like stood up and he stood de- sat back down and he was like watching me. I'm like, what the hell was that? So I open the door and I come in and he goes, um, uh, 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 I, I said, what was, what was that? He goes, uh, well, uh, I was going to hold open the door for you, but then I thought maybe like you probably would want to do it yourself because you know, uh, you can do it. Like you're an independent person. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, you're overthinking. Like, like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like we're in this weird in between time where people are just like, I don't know what's the right thing to do. And I, I don't know what the right thing either is either. So, you know, good luck to us all. I mean, but I think everyone should just try to be nice to each other. Just try, well, yeah. Be nice. I mean, I would have held open. The, I told him I would have held open the door for you, you know, <laughs> if you were coming in. So 
but yeah, he, you saw him, I saw him like panicking. He was like, what do I do? It was too much, Yeah, too much thought yeah. went into it, you know? That's, it's entirely overthinking. And, <laughs> but I think it's really refreshing your attitude because I mean, do you, is there ever a point where you feel depressed or sad about like your situation or do you mostly yeah. just look at the positives of it? No, there's definitely times. And it's weird because I feel like lately um, there's been more times and maybe it's because I'm writing this book, this memoir. And so I'm like digging really deep into stuff. But mm-hmm. I think it, even, it was even starting to happen a little bit before. I think we live in a time where you have to, people are owning their diversity or whatever you want to call it. Like, mm-hmm. It feels like you have to be talking about your thing a lot. And I mm. wasn't doing that as much. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I didn't think about being in a wheelchair as much as I do now mm. about maybe like 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, uh, you know, in some ways it's good and it's whatever. But in, uh, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I just want to go a day without talking about it or thinking about it or making it a thing. But then again, because there's such a hole in our pop culture and our, you know, uh, disability shaped hole. And that's where I, that's my, you know, my line of my, my work, what I do. And I'm writing a movie and I'm writing a book and I'm writing another movie. When I sit down and write these things, there, you know, characters are disabled or, or, you know, the storylines do somewhat revolve around having a disability. So it's like, I, I can't escape it lately. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And it, cause I mean, I almost want to apologize. Like, I'm sorry I brought it up, but you know, no, it's part I, of your I, life. It's part of my life. I, I mean, listen, yeah, I've, I I think, I mean, I, I did a podcast about Beverly Hills 90210 when it came up, you know? Mm-hmm. So it comes up, it, it's fine. But, um, but, but we're, yeah, like we're talking about mental health stuff. So of course it's going to come up, but I, but you know, I go on dates and it comes up and like zoom dates or whatever, you know, like dating, like it comes up a lot lately, Yeah, way oh. more than it did before. So are you, you're dating? I, I, I didn't know what your, what your relationship status was. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. but so you're dating right now or like mm-hmm. you're trying to date around during COVID. How oh, is that going? It's okay. You know, yeah. it's okay. I mean, I don't actually mind Zoom dating versus in-person dating. It doesn't feel like any less awkward or any weird, you know, I, I'm, I don't mind doing, like I said, I, I don't mind corresponding with my family that way. So it doesn't feel sure. that strange. Uh, but I just don't like dating in general. You know, it's not the, the, the thing that making that COVID is making it harder to do is like connect. Once you get past that first or second date, it's like, <laughs> okay, now what? Because how I have to really trust this person if I'm going to like not only put them in within six feet of me, but now I'm going to like put my mouth on their mouth. I haven't even <laughs> shaken a person's hand. Do you know what I mean? And like now I'm going to that's a lot. You have to really trust a person. And um, I don't. So, yeah, that's what's challenging is like trying to get to that stage. And I don't trust anybody, uh, any stranger enough to get to that point. Yeah, I don't blame you to be able to take those precautions um, and everything. and also. For me, like, luckily, I, I mean, I am already seeing someone, so I haven't had to deal with the Zoom dating situation, but like, I need to be in the same room as someone to see if I have chemistry with them. There's yeah. that, like, there's that intangible thing 
that you can't necessarily get even with a video chat like video chats are better than phone for sure but like there are all those uh the pheromones and the yeah yeah yeah, know, yeah. The things that you can't really figure out just by talking yeah and i've had a few like i've gotten to the point where i've had a few social distance dates not lately because now the numbers are going back up but like in the sort of middle time sure. where it was like oh Okay, you know where I've had like social like we're okay. Let's meet and and but even that, it's like I don't get to do the flirty like <laughs> I'm laughing, I'm touching your knee because we're six feet apart. I'm not Inspector Gadget, you know. Like I can't reach you. We I need, can't get. You need to get one of those like arms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like just like a really long hand and be like, okay, just imagine this is my hand and it's like a. Plastic. But that takes. But then that takes all the spontaneity <laughs> out of it, you know, and, 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 and like. So does the conversation of like, okay, I think I like you. Like, are we going to kiss and and be intimate? But if we do, then that means I have to know that you're not kissing anybody else and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, are we, that's not romantic. Like now it's like, now we don't, there's no like, we kissed. Oh my God. Because we just, it's, it's weird. It's all. There's no spontaneity or excitement there. Yeah. And I have a problem truly with uh, prioritizing relationships though, as well. I really do. Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm like working on in therapy. It's like, I don't necessarily, it's just like, even when I say I'm going to, I don't know. It's like when I uh, either I'm working on something like I'm writing or I'm working on, you know, one of the things I'm really, or if I have time to myself, I'm kind of just like taking that time to myself. Like I'm talking to friends or I'm watching a movie. I don't want to like also now be on some romantic job interview when when I have some time to for myself, you know, so I don't yeah, know when to that's such a good slot. way of putting it. Yeah. It does feel like a job interview or an audition. Sometimes you're like, okay, yeah. here are all my good qualities. What are yours? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. this work? Mm-hmm. It is frustrating. And, um, especially because you can't just like organically meet someone in the wild and be like, have like right. a, a casual thing that like you get to know someone as a friend and then see what happens. Yeah. I miss that. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I miss those like casual acquaintances too. Cause like I've been keeping in touch with my family and like my really close friends, but anybody who I wasn't really close with, it's like, we just don't talk anymore. Yeah. I know you miss that little, the whole little quick catch up. And I've done, I've, I've been, there's been a few like groups that I've been in that we've, I've seen a few acquaintances over the this past year, but always mostly, yeah, but always on Zoom, you know, never like by accident, you know. No, no, everything is on purpose right now, which is like good and bad because like I now don't have to like make excuses to like lie when I really just don't want to <laughs> hang out with someone. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mind the Zoom birthday party. I don't either because sometimes you're just like. Ugh. I don't want to like get ready mm-hmm. and get to this bar and spend like $40 on two drinks just yep. to sh- say that I said happy birthday to you and then leave. And then like, okay, what was the point of that? Yeah. It's a lot <laughs> of energy. It's a lot of mental and physical energy. And especially as a woman, don't get me started on like how much energy I've saved on not doing makeup or putting outfits together or like, and I still like get dressed, but you know, sure. I don't think half, I don't spend half as much energy on what am I going to wear? What am I gonna, and I think all of that is also contributing to how much I've gotten done, you know, on this book, because that's where I'm putting my, my energy. I mean, there's a reason people like Einstein, like only wore 
or Steve Jobs or whatever, like they only have like the same color shirt and you know, it's 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 a lot of mental energy to get ready for your day. And I don't have to really do that anymore. Yeah, no, it definitely cuts cuts that out. Um, so we're almost at the end. And something I like to ask all my guests, um, which I want to ask you is if you have had a shitty day, um, whether it's some strangers asking you unsolicited questions <laughs> in the store, uh-huh. or maybe like you tried to do work and you can't, or maybe you bomb at a comedy show, whatever your definition of a bad day is. Uh, when you come home, what is something that you can do to shift your mood? Um, and I like to call this a hot tip. Hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. What is a hot tip <laughs> you would give? Well, I like to take um, what well, my friends call it a Santina shower. And uh, it's it's like, it's a shower where I sort of, it's an experience where I, I try to take do something for all five of my senses, which really you feel like it balances me out, right? So I will light candles. I have twinkle lights in my bathroom and this like orb thing that changes colors. I make sure the lighting is right. And that's visual, you know, the candle is scent. Uh, I have a good playlist that I put on. I use mm. hot, like really nice, like hot water. Mm. And um, I personally smoke a little bit of weed beforehand. You know, if, if you don't do that, then that's fine. Maybe drink some wine or just nothing, whatever. Um, and then I always have like some tea afterwards. And then this way I've done a little something for all five of my senses. And it sort of helps to like realign my chakras or recalibrate or just like, I don't know, you know, like do something. It's about, you got to have good music, got to have good lighting, got to have good temperature water. Yes. And, and, you know, get, get, I would suggest to everybody, hot tip, invest in twinkle lights for your bathroom. I think that's great. I mean, all five of your senses are being taken care of. um, And yeah, yeah, I actually have, um, in my bathtub, I have a waterproof, led light that changes mm-hmm. colors me too and it's i've probably been obsessed the same with it oh that's what you have as well yes yes everybody should have that it really just makes you feel like you're like at a fancier in a fancy place or like on vacation or something you know and then it's like sometimes showering is annoying right but then it makes it more like a thing it's a nice thing like you're yeah. going to the spa you're going to you know yeah I'm I'm really into this the Santina shower. I mean, it's it, it sounds like it sounds like a spa experience. Like you know, it really. Yeah, I would sign up for is. that. It is. Yeah, make the playlist <laughs> ahead of time, and like when you're listening, I'm always like, you know, when I listen to music, I'll be like, ooh, if I hear a song, I'm like, ooh, that goes on my shower, play- and I'll throw it on the shower playlist. You know, what, what genre is your shower playlist? It's like a little of everything, but it definitely has some. Um, it has some like nice throwbacks, some like nostalgic stuff that makes me like, ooh, and you know, some like everything from like Tom Petty and Pink Floyd and like the stuff my parents listened to growing up that makes me feel like I'm just like a little kid again. So like um, you know, like a nice like a uh, D'Angelo or like uh even like a Melissa Etheridge, like anything, like anything that I'm like, this reminds me of a simpler time. And I'm happy mm. right now, you know, like that kind of music where, it, where it's like happy or, and, and that you can like sing along to and like kind of get lost in it. And then, oh, another thing that you should invest in 
is a little speaker for your shower so that you can, if a song comes on that you're just like not in the mood for that day, you could skip it without having to like stick your hand out and get cold air on your hand and have to dry off your hand and skip the song. Just get these like, they're like so cheap. You can get them now anywhere. A little speaker. And this way, if the song, you know, if there's a song you don't like, you can skip it because, you know, you're only in the shower for so long. You don't want to suffer four minutes of a song is like a big chunk of your shower. You know? <laughs> that is a big chunk of time for sure. I feel very strongly uh, about this. Yeah, no, I can tell. This is like, you, you are very passionate about, you know, like you don't want you don't want one moment of this perfect relaxation shower experience to be spoiled exactly. by a cold Oh hand. my gosh, exactly. No, not one moment. And you know what I know what? The other day I got in last weekend, I, I prepared myself for one of these showers. I mean, I, I've, everything was set. I even took an edible. So it was even like, even like a special kind of high. Yeah. And I got in there. And my frigging apartment had no hot water. <gasps> I was so mad. And I had, to, it was already too late. I had already like started. So I'm like, great. So I just had to take a quick, fast, cold shower. I was so mad. But you know what I did? I blow dried my hair and like, just like, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to get, take back the moment with, you know, the blow drying like heat experience. And then I got in pajamas and everything. Fine. <laughs> But that is really upsetting because you're just like building up. You're like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm like really vibing right now. Yeah. 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 That's 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 the record scratch moment. We're like, oh, I guess I got to shift. But that's good. You you, you know how to adapt. You have to. Well, that's that's please. If, If there's something that anybody in a wheelchair knows how to do, it's adapt. Because that's what I've had to do my entire life. Because I live in a world that's not made for being in a wheelchair, you know? So. Yes. You know, I have to, I'm constantly, my brain is constantly thinking about, okay, if you can't do it this way, then what, how are you going to, if you still want to do it, then how are you going to do it? It's like an automatic thing that my brain goes to. That's yeah, why because I think, even just going to buildings, it's like, well, yeah. I remember, I forget what it was. I was asking you to do a comedy show or come to something and you had to ask me, you know, like, is the building accessible? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something I don't even have to think about. Like, exactly. I know that I can walk into any building and you don't automatically know that. Yes. No, I, I certainly most times can't even to this day. Another thing that's like shocking to people because, you know, the ADA, the Americans with Disability Act, it's, you know, 2021, but places are still very inaccessible. It's a huge barrier. Sucks. Mm-hmm. So annoying. Yeah. I hope yeah. things get better, but I mean, slowly, but I, the Americans with Disabilities Act passed in 1990. I mean, like, <laughs> I've been in a wheelchair since I was six and I can honestly say that there hasn't been much improvement. It's not like I've seen huge leaps and bounds since I was six years old in in many areas at all. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really weird. It's disappointing. If there's, if there's someone out there who is in a similar situation to you, like if they get into an accident and they lose um, the ability to walk or they lose Mm -hmm. some sort of uh, function that they used to have, uh, and they do feel sad about it. They don't have as good of an attitude as you do. Would you have any advice for them? I mean, just talk to other people who have been living with it for a while and you'll see that they're, you know, and talk to somebody who's in a similar situation as you, because not everybody who has a disability, like different, you know, like a quadriplegic is somebody who's paralyzed from the neck down and that proposes different challenges than even I have or 
you know, sure. um, an amputee is different than, you know, someone with a spinal cord injury. So find somebody who's in a similar situation as you, who's been in that situation for longer. Find a few people. It's not everybody's the mm-hmm. same. And I think you'll find that they're living probably full lives. I mean, I I have a podcast where, or I don't know what it is, a talk show, and I interview people who are also in wheelchairs or have different mobility disabilities. And, um, you know, and they're writers and they're makeup artists and they're pool players, you know, and they're salesmen and they're mothers and they're... So that's like not something that we're seeing or that we're, we gather from what we've heard about people with disabilities. I mean, if I tell you my friend is in a wheelchair and she's a mother, it's like, oh, wow, you know, and I mean, I, I have several. So I think you just have to find somebody who's in your same situation. And I think you'll see that they're, they're still living, you know, it yeah. takes time to get over it. Of course it does. You have to grieve and process and all that. but it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's not as bad as million dollar baby would have you think it is or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the media does play it up a lot more uh, just for the drama of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then these people get Oscars and I'm like, great. You're not even in a wheelchair. You made it look terrible. And now you get an Oscar and I'm over here clawing at this industry and I I can't even get a bone, you know? I mean, now I'm getting- Oh, it was yeah, driving, yeah, it was driving me nuts. No, now I've, I've worked, you know, now I, I have my, I was on a TV show. I feel like I've made a few advancements there. Like there is, have there has been progress for me there, but it's exhausting to even just try to, you know, and then I show up on jobs and they're not accessible. I mean, it, please, that's a whole nother story. Oh yeah, no, I mean, don't even get me started on the lack of accurate representation of people with disabilities in film. That is something that I'm, also very passionate about um and i mean i wonder where like where is the line you know like is it okay for them to write someone who's in a wheelchair and then cast someone who doesn't use a wheelchair not really in your opinion not these not these days it's no we're getting i mean we're getting to the point where you can't really do that anymore now look is it something like if you ask 10 people you you know you'll get different answers for this right Mm -hmm. for me if it's like, unfortunately, if it's like the, the, no, but even this is like, it's, uh, what I was going to say is if it's like the main like lead, right? And and this person is carrying the film, then you may need to cast somebody who is going to sell tickets if that's, you know, what you're doing. And there is nobody in a wheelchair right now who can sell tickets like in the way that a uh, Joaquin Phoenix can or whatever mm-hmm. right but the problem is if you don't cast people with disabilities in the smaller roles then they're never going to get to Joaquin Phoenix level you know right uh but at the same time even that I'm changing my mind about as I'm even saying it because it's like you know uh remember that that girl Hairspray that and that movie Hairspray they cast that girl who had never you know been the lead of a film you know or slumdog millionaire i don't know if he had done like much before that i mean it can be done and so we got to start doing it with disability too because this is getting out of control now yeah yeah and that's i agree like it is getting out of control and like it's a it's 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 um what do you call it's a catch-22 because the people who are um disabled 
aren't getting the chances to become the big name exactly that would sell the tickets um but because they're not a name you don't want to give them the role it's like someone has to take a chance on someone at some point exactly exactly and why not you please it should be you it should, yes <laughs> i hope so but there's a lot of i mean a girl in a wheelchair just won the Tony this past year. A friend of mine from New Jersey. What's her name? Ali Stroker. So that was. I went to college with her. Oh, you did? Yeah. So She's amazing. So there you go. So she. So that was great progress. You know, we're making these little. And then she did um, a Hallmark movie, which mm-hmm. or actually it was a Lifetime movie. It was around Christmas time, and it was really good. And they made like Zippo mention of the wheelchair. It was just a, a love story, and um, it was really well done. So there's like we're making little progress, little here and there. But mm-hmm. uh, there's really, there's a, a long way to go. There definitely is. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on today. And I hope everyone um, checks out Ass Level. It's a very <laughs> funny video. Thank you. Yeah, it was so uh, good to see you. I have to tell you I, er, that, you know, um, every time I see you and every time before we met, but even after we met, even now, there's something about you that always reminds me of Parker Posey. Oh, my God. Thank you. Do you ever? Um, do you I get that a lot. That? You do? Yeah, because you look like her. I love her. So that's a great I, person. It's a huge compliment, like. and I appreciate her. She's so funny. She is. And and pretty, uh, although I guess I'm biased because we look alike. Uh, <laughs> but one of my life goals, actually, which I'm just going to put out there publicly right now, is I would love to play either her younger sister or her daughter in something. Oh, you have that to. That would be incredible. Um, Funny story. So I went to NYU. I lived in New York uh, in the same neighborhood as her at the same time. And uh, I used to get mistaken for her a lot. Yeah. I'm and it sure. was really funny. Well, because, I mean, we do have an age difference. But, like, you know, when you're walking around with your sunglasses and everything, people can't tell. And there was this one deli that used to give me free bagels and free <laughs> smoothies and stuff all the time. And they were always so nice to me. And then I remember one day, like, I took off my big sunglasses and they were like, oh, wait. You're not her. You're younger than her. (laughs) And I was like, wait, are you, is that why you were giving me so much free stuff? They're like, no, we love you. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay. (laughs) So there you go. So, you know. I think you should definitely play some relative. Yeah. It it would be cool. I got to think of what it would be. I mean, she has been in a lot of like Christopher Guest type stuff. So it it would probably have to be something like that. Yeah. Something, something something fun um cool well if people want to find you um Mm -hmm. or watch your stuff where should they go just follow me on instagram or twitter probably is the best instagram is and both are at santina muha s-a-n-t-i-n-a-m-u-h-a and um um you know i usually am promoting my stuff there and sometimes i do stories and sometimes i take mental health breaks from instagram but yeah i'm always popping up i mean even when i say mental health break i mean like I'm only going to look at it five times today. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that qualifies as a break. Ugh, please. You know? Yeah. So that's where you can uh, find me. Cool. Well, um, do you have any, any last words of wisdom or anything you want to share before we go? Anybody who uh, might be feeling down out there with lockdown and missing their, their normal lives? <sighs> I, I mean, just this too shall pass, you know? And even, and it might look a little different on the other side, but you're adapt you're like you're adapting and you're changing and you're growing every day and and before you know it you'll be used to the next thing whatever it is and you'll find a way to make that work it's just what we do i mean we that's what we you can't help but do that i think it's it's our nature you know yeah yeah you got to keep growing keep changing otherwise what's the point (laughs) 
You have to, yeah. So. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that it made you feel less alone and more seen. Uh, if you want to check out the episode guide for more details of what we talked about today, it's on cryingbehindpod.com. And if you liked what you heard, then please review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can check out Santina on One Day at a Time on Netflix. Very funny show. Uh, as well as her music video, Ass Level. And she hosts a comedy show called Rolling With My Homies, where she does interviews and improv comedy with other performers in wheelchairs. So um, you can see all of that if you just check her out on social media. And uh, what else? Oh, right. That's right. We have Thoughtful Thursdays on Clubhouse now. Uh, I'm going to commit right now. Every Thursday in February and March at 8 p.m. Pacific time, if you find me at Katie Doll, K-A-T-Y-D-O-L-L-E, on Clubhouse, uh, that is where I'll be hosting those meetups. And that's open to anybody who is on that app. If you need an invite, just uh, slide into my DMs on Instagram. I can get you one. And other than that, until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. Here, here, here.